The Old Testament reading for this morning and the basis for this morning's meditation comes from the book of Jonah, beginning in the third chapter at the first verse. It is written, Next God spoke to Jonah a second time, Up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh, preach to them. They're in a bad way and I can't ignore it any longer. And this time Jonah started off straight for Nineveh, obeying God's orders to the letter. Now Nineveh was a big city, very big. It took three days to walk across it. So Jonah entered the city, went one day's walk and preached. In 40 days, Nineveh will be smashed. And the people of Nineveh listened and trusted God. They proclaimed a citywide fast and dressed in burlap to show their repentance. Everyone did it, rich and poor, famous and obscure, leaders and followers. And when the message reached the king of Nineveh, he got up off his throne, threw down his royal robes, dressed in burlap, and sat down in the dirt. Then he issued a public proclamation throughout Nineveh, authorized by him and his leaders. Not one drop of water, not one bite of food for man, woman, or animal, including your herds and flocks. Dress them all, both people and animals, in burlap, and send up a cry for help to God. Everyone must turn around, turn back from an evil life and the violent ways that stain their hands. And who knows, maybe God will turn around and change his mind about us, Quit being angry with us and let us live. And God saw what they had done, that they had turned away from their evil lives. And God did change God's mind about them. What God said God would do to them, God didn't do. And Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God, God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. And God said, well, what do you have to be angry about? But Jonah just left. He went out of the city to the east and sat down in a sulk. And he put together a makeshift shelter of leafy branches and sat there in the shade to see what would happen to the city. God arranged for a broadleaf tree to spring up. It grew over Jonah to cool him off and get him out of his angry sulk. And Jonah was pleased and enjoyed the shade. Life was looking up. But then God sent a worm and by dawn of the next day, the worm had bored into the shade tree and it withered away. The sun came up and God sent a hot, blistering wind from the east. And the sun beat down on Jonah's head and he started to faint and he prayed to die. I'm better off dead. Then God said to Jonah, what right do you have to get angry about this shade tree? And Jonah said, plenty of right. It's made me angry enough to die. And God said, what's this? 
How is it that you can change your feelings from pleasure to anger overnight about a mere shade tree that you did nothing to get? You neither planted nor watered it. It grew up one night and died the next night. So why can't I likewise change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure, this big city of more than 120,000 childlike people who don't yet know right from wrong, to say nothing of all the innocent animals. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O Spirit of wisdom in whose presence is peace, inspire us in this moment that we may turn our minds from cleverness to kindliness, inhabit our hearts so that we may embrace mercy, and inflame our spirits with the love of peace, so that wise in mind and heart and spirit, we may sow the seeds of peace and reap a harvest of justice. Amen. I don't know if your experience growing up was that much like mine, but I've come to believe that as I grew up, my parents were constantly trying to get my attention, to follow the rules, to do our duty and to learn the important lessons of life. And although many of us will no doubt lay claim to being adults now, let's not forget that those who love us are still trying to get our attention and perhaps the most persistent whisper in our ear is from God. It is a consistent motif found throughout the story of Jonah as God works to get Jonah's attention in a variety of ways. The scene just outside the bustling city of Nineveh, and Jonah sits under a bush in the shade, waiting. Waiting to see what would become of the city you see, Jonah had finally carried off what God had required of him, at least he thought so. After attempting to flee, being pitched overboard, swallowed by a huge fish, living in the belly of that fish for three days, only to be vomited up on the beach, Jonah finally did what God called him to do. He went to Nineveh, and he proclaimed the word of God to the people. A word that warned them that they should prepare themselves to be overthrown. And Jonah was finally faithful to the word that God had given him. He proclaimed that word so well, that word of it reached the king. And the king, moved by this word, rose from his throne, put on the clothes of repentance, and required all of his people to do the exact same thing. All shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their violence and evil ways. And the king hoped that God would change God's mind. That was the king's greatest hope. It was Jonah's greatest fear. You see, Jonah felt that the power in his mission was in the eventual downfall of Nineveh. 
He wanted to see some results. And the result that he sought was the fulfillment of the message of warning that God had entrusted to him. Instead, the results that he saw were the results of the grace of God, reserved not only for Jonah throughout his journey from disobedience to obedience, but also grace powerfully revealed to the king and the people of the bustling city of Nineveh. And to Jonah, that just didn't seem fair. Not only was his prophecy left unfulfilled, but even the plant which had provided him meager shade from the sun wilted. And he was so mad about this loss of shade on his judgment watch that he complained to God wishing to die, probably out of shame as well as the heat, thinking that the people would assume that his warnings were just unfounded. What kind of prophet was he anyway? And God confronts Jonah about the plant, but Jonah remains resolute. And the story ends with a question, and we are left hanging, wondering whatever did happen to Jonah, praying perhaps that he indeed might have had a change of heart. Another scene, if you will. The bustling Nineveh of our own lives, with their busyness and frustrations, false barriers, violence, and evil ways. Us, modern-day Jonas, in our noontime heat, shaded only by that bush that protects our head about as much as a little towel protects the back of a chair. And now we are watching even that shade wither around us. Because, you see, we keep finding ourselves face-to-face with people who don't look like us, who don't act like us, who we even sometimes have a hard time believing are God's cherished children just like us. Because you see, in Nineveh, it's just not like it used to be. People don't look like they ought to in Nineveh. They don't wear the right labels on their clothes like they ought to. Instead, they come around in yellow tank tops and purple socks. And some wear grossly upswept hair. They wobble along on thin spiked heels. Some don't care if their hair is swept up or down. It's frizzy, unwashed, unparted, ungodly. I mean, they're unclean nowadays in Nineveh. They don't act like they ought to act here in Nineveh. They're really not smooth enough for our table. They snort when they laugh out loud at parties. They talk too loud, they swig their beer, they belch in front of their neighbors. Some even give a redneck 10-4 good buddy into their cell phones, a sound that's not too pleasant here in Nineveh. And you know, some in Nineveh, they're unsettled sexually. Some are having babies without husbands and choose to raise them by themselves in spite of our frowns. And some have come out of their closet to say that they're gay or bisexual or metrosexual. And we in Nineveh, we just don't know what to say. And some say sex belongs more to a relationship than to marriage and 
We don't know how to respond with much that makes any sense here in Nineveh. It just seems so unclean here in Nineveh. Because you know, people don't value what's important to us. Some don't value the way, the way we work in Nineveh. Some don't want to get ahead. Some even tell us to tell them where ahead is when we get there. Some don't want to go to work at sunrise. Some don't even want to go at 9 o'clock. Some won't go until the day is almost over and then they expect to earn a decent wage. They're not awed by our steeple or by our pastor, nor are they moved by an organ or stained glass. They're not even sure what sin is anymore. It's just so unclean here in Nineveh. So I just want to hop on another ship and clear out of Nineveh. Just to leave those aliens who should have been like us. To leave those crude folk for the smooth folk. To leave those unstable people for the together people. Let us raise our cry with Jonah. Why should I have to bother with these people, O Lord? And we know the anger in your voice, Jonah, but even more, we can sense the fear that underlies it all. You see whiners, demanders, seducers, cheaters. You see yellows, browns, blacks, whites, reds. You see the super cool and the very uptight, and a voice says, is it right for you to be angry? These are my children. Welcome them. Whatever hour it is, however they come, whatever you may personally think. The plant withers and the flower fades, but the word of God goes on forever. Listen now, you always did resent these unclean folks, mainly because you felt you were never clean. At the very bottom, the real issue has always been your unworthiness, hasn't it, Jonah? How much easier it is to see others' shortcomings than our own. It is that way for all of us. But one thing I know for sure this morning, that God is relentlessly trying to get our attention be it through God's word, the advice of wise friends, or just through the ups and downs of life, the voice of God is present. You know, I think we've all grown tired of the old Verizon commercial of a man walking in various places across the country testing the signal strength of Verizon cell phones. As he goes along, he repeats one phrase, you know it, don't you? Can you hear me now? And I guess the person on the other end gets the message because the guy always answers good and moves to test another location. The story of Jonah is a long test of signal strength. God repeatedly asks, 
Can you hear me now in some pretty creative and powerful ways? You know, through all of Jonah's trials and tribulations, the glorious truth is that God continually spares him. You see, the grace of God runs through the story from beginning to end, and it is extended to everyone. It is all so gracefully fair and just and true and loving and hopeful and radiant. And we are just to go and spread this good news and invite all people to come home. Whatever the hour, however the path, can you hear me now? Amen.